Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. My name is Kerry Shumway and I'll be your host. Today I speak with Chris Farmond from Small Batch Standard. Small Batch is a financial agency built to serve the craft brewing industry. They have a team of brewery consultants, accountants, tax specialists, and industry experts to help you grow, profit, and thrive. In today's podcast, Chris and I talk about year-end planning strategies, what craft brewery owners should be thinking about right now, what you should be talking with your CPA about, really how to make the most of that relationship, questions that you should be asking, planning strategies, and so forth. So now is the time to do it. This is the time of year where we have to close things out, get everything buttoned up for the new year. So Chris has all sorts of tips and strategies for you. So for now, please enjoy this conversation with Chris Farmond from Small Batch Standard. A quick note before we start today's podcast. If you need help building your brewery business plan or updating an old business plan, our brewery business plan course might be just the thing for you. In the course, we're going to go through what sample brewery business plans look like, We'll share business plan templates, financial planning worksheets, scorecards, and bonus tools. We'll go step-by-step through the process to get your plan done and done right. Business plans do not need to be long to be good, and they do not need to take weeks or months to complete. Once you go through our course, you will have a brewery business plan ready to rock and roll. So if you're interested in checking that out, go to craftbrewerryfinancialtraining.com and go to the shop for more details. All of our financial training courses for breweries are included with your subscription to Craft Brewery Financial Training. So for now, please enjoy today's podcast. Hey, Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Carrie, it's always a pleasure to join you and talk shop. There we go. Two CPAs talking about numbers. So let's start by giving the listeners some background on you, your firm services you provide and the clients that you serve. Sure. Thank you. My background is, you know, I've been in public accounting for about 20 years now and serving the craft brewing industry for the last decade. So half my career has been focusing on the, the craft brewing industry. And I got into this industry based on a need that I uncovered by Number one, understanding that really the complexity of everything that goes into the back office. And then two, understanding the ownership profile of who was operating these breweries early on. And then, you know, I started showing up to various conferences and various festivals and just asking simple questions. And I got a lot of blank stares, a lot of deer in headlights. And that really validated me to say that this industry needs an expert. And it's funny, back in 2012, there was an article written by the executive director of the California Brewers Guild. And I can actually, I have it saved. I have it bookmarked. 
I can I can get it to you for the show notes. But back in 2012, this gentleman and I'm I'm drawing a blank on his name. However, he's known in the industry. He's the old executive director for California, and he wrote an article saying, "Boom in craft beer requires specialized tax and accounting knowledge." And I hung on to that article and and really ran with it. I thought it was a little early, but super relevant for what I was doing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, it's definitely growing. I mean, I think I've I've seen a similar trajectory where, you know, early on it was just we're we're brewing beer, we're making money, everything's good, mm-hmm. and things start to tighten up, and they're like, oh, I need to actually watch my books, see what's going on there, digging on the tax side. So. I think it's been a, it's certainly been an evolution. Um, yep. So on that point, I guess as you look at sort of your clients, I mean, how would you describe like an ideal client for you and your firm? And you know, what is that? Uh, what's that brewery size? What kind of budget? Things like that. What what's best a best fit for you guys? Sure, we are best serving breweries that need what I call a jolt of truth. So. We don't necessarily look at size. I do believe there are either ends of the spectrum, too small or too big, and I'll be the first to tell a lead or prospect that, hey, we're not a good fit just due to your your size. You need a, a different solution. However, I think our sweet spot is 5,000 to 30,000 barrels in production, okay. and we like to see a healthy split between taproom and distribution. I think there's unique consulting opportunities and unique benchmarks within each of those revenue streams that we're able to really provide and update on an ongoing basis for that brewery. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So our, our methodology really starts with the accounting and tax and it just starts there. What we do is we will get the books in a, systematic format, if you will, whether it's chart of account changes or splitting out certain expenses, splitting out certain revenues, understanding batch costs. And from there, we're really able to feed our benchmark tool to based on what percentage the brewery is doing taproom versus what percentage the brewery is doing distro applicable benchmarks to their size and their their makeup. When we developed our benchmarks, the question was, do we go after region? Do we go after size? Do we go after age? Do we go after style of beer? And at the end of the day, while all of those are important, what really is important is where's the margin? Where's the margin and what are the revenue streams? Because that's really what's going to drive the bottom line. Mm-hmm. So we set out to look at and we had the data to analyze the various revenue streams. And it's been great. Nice. And is that benchmark tool, is that something, do you use a piece of software? Is that like a spreadsheet or how do you, what's that look like? So we've built some software in Excel. We've we've built a, a, a tool uh, through Visual Basic. You know, Tom, our COO is an engineer and he, he got really crazy with Excel and 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 built it out. There may be something coming down the pipeline soon that could expand that to a piece of standalone software. But right now we're delivering either monthly or quarterly, we call it compass reporting, 
through through Excel through the Excel output. So let's take a step back. I just well, I'm curious to dig in a little bit on your background. Like, how did you get your start in accounting and finance? I know you referenced in 2012 article, you know, this sort of craft brewery and coming together of the need for tax and accounting specialized knowledge. But how did you get started in accounting? What was the what was the bug for you? So I fell into it. I, I fell I fell into the the accounting space. My family, my entire family is a bunch of CPAs, and there are seven CPAs and four other support staff that make up uh, a firm in town here, which I started at and really learned a lot about about it. And I was early on. I was in in audit. So I was doing governmental and not-for-profit auditing, but I always had a knack for accounting technology. I loved the way software worked, and I loved the way that business owners can populate the software to get results, to get numbers, to make decisions. And after the audit stuff kind of died off, we, I took a focus on accounting software and started converting a lot of our clients that were bringing shoebox stuff to doing stuff internally and supporting them and kind of showing them the ropes. Well, in 2010, I decided to go off on my own and kind of stake my claim as the premier accounting technology firm of North Florida. At the same time, I was reading a book called Firm of the Future by Ron Baker. Phenomenal book. And it really talks about trashing the timesheet getting rid of the billable hour and value pricing on everything. And this is a good kind of segue because I think value pricing versus fixed fee or line pricing in, to speak in brewing terms are completely different. Well, <clears throat> shortly into my solopreneurship, I realized that technology could be a different differentiator could lead me to the land of value pricing, but at the end of the day, it's just a tool. It really is a tool. So to really maximize the the value that I was providing, I had to turn into a knowledge worker. And how do you turn into a knowledge worker? Do you serve everybody or do you pick something Pick an industry, pick a demographic, pick a histographic, and really dive deeper. And so for me, it was an industry. And since then, and I'll also note that you know, niching in, in for accountants is still pretty taboo. There are various specializations in different firms, but at the end of the day, it's it's pretty general. And I made a commitment that we were just going to stay in one lane and just continue to go deeper and deeper in that lane. And it's been, it's been an amazing ride. It's been fun. It's been challenging. It's been rewarding. And that's what I instill in our team is that we are expert knowledge workers in one space and it fires everybody up. They get really excited about it. Nice. I think it's, I think it fires up the clients too, because they, you know, they don't want to ex have to explain their business model and what a, what a brew brewer barrel is and right. what distribution is. And so coming in with all of that knowledge, I mean, you're light years ahead of, I guess, just your plain, plain Jane CPA 
uh, that might be walking in. Well, th- that's the first complaint that I hear on 99% of the sales calls is we have a guy, he's great. We have a woman, she's great. They just don't understand our industry and they, they can't when they're serving a hundred different industries or, or 20 different industries. There's just not the mental bandwidth to dive deeper and, and have those conversations. So that's why I opened up with our ideal client is someone that wants a shot of truth. And, you know, we offer three packages and it's like, how much truth do you want? Do you want, <laughs> or how frequently do you want the shot of truth? And I, I'm, I'm finding that recently there are more and more customers that really want that monthly frequency, that monthly cadence of, all right, Chris, give us the benchmarks, give us the the dirty, what changes do we need to make? Or do we just celebrate? Is everything going well? Right. I think, I think that's a great approach to it with that type of frequency. Cause you know, time goes by fast. You get, you know, hung up on other things, but to make time on a regular basis to just check in. Mm-hmm. So I guess in that vein, what are what are you seeing these days? What are the top financial issues that breweries are facing? What questions are they asking? What what are you hearing out there? Yeah, so we're just dealing with a ton of expansion right now. I don't know what you're seeing from your end, Carrie, but we're dealing with our existing customers either expanding their existing location, taking on more lease space, looking to buy their real estate, looking to open up second tap rooms, looking to bring in food. It really is a prosperous time for breweries where we where we sit. And I know that's not the case across the country, but I'm currently going through quarterly huddles and I have 40 hour-long meetings right now to catch up on the third quarter and deliver benchmarks. And in that huddle meeting, we talk about key decisions coming up and it's always about expansion. It's always about, Hey, we may need to contract this brand in Q1 of next year leading up to next summer. I was talking to somebody yesterday and I'm, I'm really bullish around the, the brewing industry right now. I'm, I just, I have, I have a lot of optimism around the the future and and just with even the next year i think 2022 is going to be a very strong year for craft breweries mm, i love that yeah i'm hearing similar um my client base tends to be more hey we don't have a financial plan can you help us build build one out you know really how do we how do we construct sales margins operating expenses capital planning how do we pull that together how do we match that up with, you know, if they're using QuickBooks, like here are, here's what we're getting. How to, how to how, what should our chart of accounts look like? You know, we're not quite getting what we want to get out of this. So some of it's really digging in on the fundamentals and saying, are you, have you, have you set this up? Has your structure right? Yes, no, no. Is your, are your processes getting, you know, what you want out of it? Well, no, not really. So it's a little bit of that kind of getting back to scratch and then, and then being able to move forward with, you know, getting what they want out of the out of the system. I, I liked what you said earlier about you know the accounting technology. I don't think I've ever really thought about that using those words, right? But bringing together the proper software tools to get the information out, so you can so you can make those better decisions. I like like the way you put that. Yeah, it's 
it's important to our team that we that our customers are on a standard suite or stack of, of technology because we're constantly doing education and learning within the firm so we can troubleshoot, we can extract, we can fix, we can assist our point of contact at the brewery with with those pieces of accounting and it's I like to say we're changing lives, and so there's a there's a technology piece of it, there's a numbers piece of it, there's a future planning piece of it, and it all kind of works together. So you said it's your technology or your software stack. What is what do you typically recommend? What are those pieces? Sure, we primarily work with QuickBooks Online for the accounting piece. We work with Bill dot com for AP document management. And then we use Ecos for the brewery management side. We're agnostic when it comes to point of sale systems in the tap room. We have suggestions and we can work with it with whatever the, well, almost with whatever the customer can bring us. However, same thing with payroll. I think we're pretty agnostic to various payroll software, HR software. It's that holy grail, right? The three that we really can't work without. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of breweries that um, are hesitant, I think, to bring in a system like Obeer or Ecos or something like this, um, you know, whether it's cost or they, they feel like, well, we're, we're not quite sophisticated enough to need it. How, do you, how would you answer or analyze something like that? If you're working with a brewery, how, how do you make that determination as to it's time to move from spreadsheets to a system like Ecos? Yeah. I have a quick litmus test, right? So number number one, Brew house size, seven barrels or less, three, five, seven barrel brew house. You're typically working in a just-in-time inventory. You're not holding a bunch of raw materials or packaging. So if that's the case, and, and you're typically just providing beer to your tap room, if that's the case, then you really – I don't think you, you, you can get away using spreadsheets. What really crosses the barrier is, number one, distribution. Are you self-distributing or are you using a distributor? And there are some seven-barrel and five-barrel brew houses, breweries that do distribute on a small scale. Uh, number two, do you really want to understand your batch cost? Do you want to understand your margin? Certainly in distribution. To really capture those numbers, I think you need formal brewery software. Number three, do you want to extract further reporting for his planning or historicals or if you're a seasonal brewery you want to look at how many barrels were produced you want to look at how many barrels were sold by customer i think all that stuff may be able to pull be pulled out of quickbooks but it's it's just it's not laid out very well and depending your quickbooks would have to be set up really on point to get that, that information out so 10 barrel or higher if you're distributing and if you really want that insight is when I would say, look, we, you need to graduate into a, a formal brewing software. So let's shift gears a little bit. It's, uh, we're recording this near the end of October, almost happy Halloween time. Happy Halloween yep. to you. Thanks. So let's talk about year-end planning, so financial year-end planning. What guidance are you giving breweries 
these days and how, how are you suggesting folks get ready? What should they be thinking about? Sure. Good question because November is when we start our year in tax planning. And in the past years, I used to put out like nine tax tips. I may do that again this year. I'm not sure. I think when the tax topic comes out, it becomes like muddy and, and blurry. But I think it's especially important this year because we're potentially dealing with a bunch of phantom income. And that phantom income is coming from those ERC credits. For a majority of our customers, the ERC meant hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's not free money. Now we're waiting on some guidance on whether, on when that non-free money is reportable. And as it stands right now, it's reportable in the year that the expense was taken. So any ERC money that you receive now that was back for 2020, you have to go back and report in 2020. I'm hoping that changes. I've gone way off the, the track here, but I'll bring it back to your, your main question. What are we doing to plan for year end? So for every one of our customers, we're closing the books on a monthly basis. So the year end is not that daunting for us. If you are not closing your books on a monthly basis, or you're looking at your watch and saying, the last time my books were closed was July, you need to get them caught up. You need you need to have an understanding of what the year-end net income is going to look like. You need to understand what's taxable and what's not, not taxable with all the recent changes and all the recent government money that, that came out. From an accounting and tax perspective, it's really about just keeping your numbers up to date and keeping them current. You know, I... Th- I think the whole bookkeeping world is a lagging indicator, right? We're, we're looking at stuff in the past, which is why we've put so much effort and energy into our benchmarks. It gives us a forward-looking – it gives us a current snapshot, which we can make forward decisions on. So I think that for all the listeners on this podcast, it's really about the balance sheet and the income statement – regarding are they up to date one other very tricky part that we've been monitoring this year and we monitor it every year but i believe we monitor it a little bit too late is the capital section carry the equity section of the balance sheet we have a monthly question to our customers did you admit or expel any partners this is such a tricky calculation. This is such a tricky process that tax accountants must get ahead of. PL, make sure it's up to date. Make sure there's no negatives. Make sure it looks and smells accurate. Balance sheet, did you have any equity changes? Do you, would you guide? Well, here's my question uh, Do you guys have a checklist that you use internally or? that you provide externally to your clients, sort of as like memory joggers, like, Hey, you, you you've mentioned uh, a few there relative to, you got to keep your numbers up to date. You got to probably get with your, your tax pro to determine what's taxable, what's not relative to all of these incentives that have come out, changes in the equity section, etc. cetera. Um, but do you guys provide anything or is that more of a conversation that you'd have with a client relative to what they might need to do at your end? 
So we do have a monthly accounting close checklist that we go through. It is internal. It's internal to our team. And it just goes through and makes sure that the books are being closed accurately. Okay. The, we have an annual tax checklist as well. Mm-hmm. And, and this is all just to cover our basis. So we don't forget something. We don't misreport something. The biggest questions or the biggest conversations that we're having to, as we get to at the end of the year is here's your net income project, projection. We see you've added all these capital assets. How do we want to treat those capital assets? Do we want to accelerate depreciation? Do we want to use prior year losses? Do we want to understand what the tax motivation? Because most of these people, as you know, most of these customers, as you know, they have tons of investors. And it's a spider web, right? One return shatters into many small returns or many small K1s. And we don't even know what that looks like. So we're really honing in on the owners, the owner operators, financial situation. We're honoring in maybe uh, we're focusing in on maybe the lead investors motive and really tax planning, tax planning from there. So biggest things on the balance sheet, capital, depreciation, fixed assets is what we're really looking at. And we're making sure we're looking at the liability section, right? Is is the PPP been forgiven? So with your clients, you're working on a monthly basis. You're going through your checklist. You probably got your eyes on, okay, this could have tax implications for the future. So maybe you're making notes for someone that isn't maybe working with someone like you on a regular basis. Maybe that brewery owner is, you know, it's a lot of DIY trying to get it done themselves. And then maybe once a year, they go sit down with the CPA. Any guidance on how they should approach that, that relationship, any tips on like how to work with your CPA, questions to ask, things that they should prepare for? Yeah. So I, I think if you're, if you're in the situation that you just described, I would certainly schedule a call or Zoom or face-to-face with your tax CPA, just given how tricky 2020 and 2021 have been. Ask about the reporting of the ERC. Ask if we're going to take all the applicable credits this year, you know, FICA tip credit, R&D credit. And, you know, those were both limited last year, given all the free money, right? So that even further complicated our year-end tax preparation. Ask for a tax projection. You know, ask how, if they have an understanding of your inventory process. Ask if you're at the size where we need to capitalize inventory. We need to capitalize labor. Most of the breweries out there are not at that size, and the ones that are probably have decent counsel throughout the year on capitalized labor, capitalized uh, overhead, stuff like that. It's more more complicated. But yeah, I mean, I would it would be around the government funds, what's taxable and not, credits and how that's going to apply if we're calculating those net income projection and then inventory, how we're going to handle the inventory for the year end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good list. Because I think very often someone will go to a CPA and or tax expert and assume they already know all the right questions to ask that expert sitting across. And, and very often they do, but without prompts, without the specificity of the business, the things that are kind of going on you, you you may leave that table thinking you're all set and you know 
the questions weren't asked. So I think that's a good list that you've provided is, and I'll generally say, you know, you got to advocate for yourself during these meetings. It's like, if you're going to go to the doctor, the doctor's going to be able to do what they can do. But if you're not sharing all of this information, uh, circumstances, changes, what you've gone through, tell them what's going on in your, you just have a conversation. They're, they're not necessarily going to be able to diagnose and fix the things that you've got going because They won't know about them. So very often it's like you, you've got to share a little in order to kind of get back the expertise of that person. If you play hide and seek with the information or you're really just trying to get out of there or you make assumptions that they're going to know everything. Yeah, you can't, you can't end up in a bad spot. So I like that list you provided there. That's good. Uh, I'm smiling because I was just recently on a sales call and the individual says, I can't get the damn truth out of anybody in this small town. Everyone I talk to thinks I'm a multimillionaire. <laughs> and every time I talk to my tax accountant, he just looks at me and says, you're doing great. Keep it up. He's like, am I doing great? I don't know. <clears throat> so I agree. Yeah, you, 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 need to, you definitely need to ask the right questions so you can get the right answers. Got to advocate. It yep. sounds like that person you're referencing needs a jolt of truth. Am I right? One of your he does. <laughs> He's looking <laughs> he for was asking for one. He's gonna get it. Hey, let's talk about your podcast, the True Craft Podcast. Tell tell us a bit about that. Like, how'd you get started with it? What are the topics that you're covering? What are people gonna find if they tune in? Yes, the True Craft Podcast. I love it. So, as you know, and maybe some of your listeners know, we have been providing tons of content to the craft brewing industry for the better part of a decade, and all that has been written. Well, of course, I wanted to do a podcast because I love speaking, and a year ago, it just wasn't the right time. To uh, beginning of 2020, it wasn't the right time. So 2021, we launched the True Craft Podcast, and do you watch – have you heard of Hard Knocks on HBO mm -hmm. where right before the season, the NFL season, they follow a team? Sure, yeah. And, and they change the team each year. So we kind of modeled it off of Hard Knocks and said, all right – I want a resident co-host for a season and that resident co-host is going to be a brewer, a craft brewery owner, someone I have a relationship with, someone that's doing well, someone that wants to talk to me for 10 episodes because it's, it's really a big time commitment. Mm -hmm. We've been through three episodes now and it's a huge time commitment. Well, I created 10 guideposts, and for the first three seasons, we followed those guideposts with a resident co-host. We we've had three so far, and the first half of the episode is me and the resident co-host. The second half of the episode, we bring in another brewery owner. It could be somebody that I know. It could be someone random. Most of the time, it is someone random that, that's not in our client base or sphere, and we talk about that same guidepost. So we touch on operations, marketing, distribution. We have a, and we have a bunch of wildcard episodes in there as well, which is a ton of fun to talk about. And the wildcard episodes are not always planned at the beginning of the season. We'll hear something. And from the first three seasons, the biggest feedback that I've heard have all come has all come from the resident co-hosts and how much they learned by speaking to up to 10 well nine because we have a, a recap episode but they speak to nine other brewery owners and we we try to get as intimate as possible on that on that show 
So yeah, we launched it back in January of 2021. It took the place of our writing. And just recently, we we kicked the writing back up. And, and that's been a lot of fun. We're going to take a break in December and take the month off before our season three, four launch. But season four is going to be a bit different. We're not going to have a resident co-host. It's just going to be me and a guest. And we're going to try to change it up and see see how that goes. Nice. Excellent. Yeah, I definitely recommend people check it out. True Craft Podcast. Download some episodes. See if it tickles your fancy. Yep. Um, all right, Chris, this has been great. So you're in planning, super important. Get with your CPA. Check out, make sure your numbers are in good order. Ask, you know, go back and listen to that section where Chris was listing through the, the questions you should be asking of your CPA. Do it now. Do it right now. Uh, the clock is ticking. Um, so, Chris, if people want to learn more about you, get in touch, what's the best way for them to do that? Everything is on our website. So all the information about our team, our services is is on our website. If you want to book a call with me, you're head up to the top right corner and I think it says contact us or get more information and fill out that quick form to give us a better understanding of, of your size and what your sales split is. And we ask a few fun questions in there as well. But yeah, our, our website, sbstandard.com. The firm is small batch standard and you can get all the information you need there. Excellent. All right, my man. Thanks so much for the time. Always, Carrie. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.